When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl. C70 is bad at C70 on Twitter with me this week as Alan is sitting out on a Hawaiian beach somewhere, not thinking about baseball, most likely. I've got Alex fully filling in, you know him from AlexCard79 on Twitter. And Alex, it's always good to have you sitting in that chair. Always good to be here. It's been a while it's been a uh what, a couple of months a couple of weeks at least um but you know that's also good because i enjoy listening to you and alan talk and um i i guess i would re- as much as i like talking to you i'd probably rather be in alan's uh, sh- uh seat right now in hawaii <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where he is but that said happy to be here i mean it, it's a second place but it is a definitely distant <laughs> second place i get that i won't take it personally um yeah last time you were on was probably yeah we're getting on probably close to a couple of months and the cardinals were not good and the cardinals are still not good but this week has been i don't want to say the best baseball we've seen out of them all year because there was that run through boston and whatever earlier in the year but it's one of the best runs right this has been you know, for the fact that John Mosella comes out on Monday and says uh, we're going to be sellers, it, it feels like um, the Cardinals took that personally a little bit. Well, similar to the last time they had a decent stretch of baseball, it seemed to follow a little bit of, uh, you know, this is a turmoil. Mosella mm-hmm. coming out and saying like, hey, we're going to be sellers, quite like the Contreras thing. The Luis Contreras thing was turmoil. But you, you know what I mean, like a little um, something which kind of affects both the front office and the players at the same time. And it seems like the players are saying like, oh, yeah, well, uh, watch this. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's what the players are actually doing. That's This is just how baseball ebbs and flows. Um, 
even for a team that's uh, very much a middling team like the Cardinals. They had to start winning a few games here and there eventually because that's what baseball teams do. Um, I, I do enjoy that it's happening at this time because it makes the calculus on what to do uh, up to and including on August 1st uh, a, a little bit more complicated. And I don't know. That's fun, I guess. Uh, and... I know there's like the right thing to do at the trade deadline, but I don't know if what I think the Cardinals should be doing is the right thing to do. Uh, me, me, meaning like, like what I know they should be doing is different from what I, I secretly want them to be doing. Uh, I, I want them to win as many games as possible. I, I, I want, if I, if I had the choice between them winning 74 games versus them winning 70 and the 70 win team gets a much better draft pick, I'm still probably picking the 74 win team uh, just because that's how I view sports on like, and what competition at this level should be. Now it's not like that. And it's probably never going to be like that. And it's one of the reasons why I really dislike the idea of a draft rewarding, you know, teams who aren't good or teams who are cheap or teams who are just mismanaged. Um, but that is the current world uh, we live in. But that makes it so much harder for me sometimes to figure out exactly what I want the Cardinals to do when they are faced with a situation like this. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, a head and heart situation. Um, I put something up at the Substack that we kind of talked about that a little bit. But, you know, logically, the Cardinals need to sell, right? I mean, they need yes. to get rid of anybody that's a free agent and maybe some other pieces if it'll bring back good quality pitching. Uh, that's what John Moselock has said. Um, that's what we're all been saying up until this week. Um, that's, that's what the Cardinals need to do. Um, but you're right. Then there's this part of like, man, they're playing good ball now and this division is still weak and they've come out of last and they're within striking distance. You know, before they lost today, they had a chance of taking third uh, by Sunday, you know, just if they had swept the Cubs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's part of you is like, yeah, you know, it's part of us remembers 2011. I remember some of the other kind of comebacks the Cardinals have had. And it's like, you know, this could happen and you don't really want to short circuit it. But so, yeah, there is that tension a little bit um, in the fan base. Do you think there is that tension in the front office at all? No, I don't. And I, I think partly because the idea of 2011, that's a pipe dream now. Right. right. Um, th that's just not going to happen. No, no matter how uh, much we're accustomed to this team kind of pulling off second half miracles, that's just not going to happen. They, you, you know, when you're, when you're double digit, whatever, under 500 heading into June, whatever, when it's a month and a half later, and you're still 10 to 15 games under 500, that's a big difference. And that's something we haven't experienced um, as Cardinal fans in a long time. I mean, even 2007, at this point in the season, there was still a glimmer of hope that they could, and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't until I want to say early September where it's like, yeah, this is probably not happening. Um. But even, uh, and, and I think this is where I am kind of stupid about this stuff. Uh, but e even as I know 2011 is a pipe dream, I still want them to win 82 games. It's, it's, still, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. it's still, yeah. 
pointlessly important to me that we can still say, speaking of 2007, you know, the Cardinals have not had a losing record since 2007. It's so important for me to say the Cardinals have not finished in last since 1990. Um, And as you know, it's still very important for me to be able to say the Cardinals have not finished behind the Pirates since 1999. Um, I totally understand why a lot of fans are like, that is stupid. Like, like that is counterproductive (laughs) to what this team needs to do in terms of moving forward. And I totally get that. I just can't turn that off as someone who has followed, loved, and been a fan of this team for, yeah, basically 40 years. Okay, so this is interesting. As you pull up, you bring up 2007. Yeah. And so I pulled up the the schedule and results. And on at game 98, which is what we were at today, uh-huh. The Cardinals beat the Cubs 11 to 1 to go to 46 and 52, eight games out of the division. Okay. So pretty, was... pretty, pretty reasonable what we're at now, right? Yeah. Right. I, I, I thought it was closer now, but okay. Well, here. That's... Yeah. In, in the first week of September, uh-huh. the Cardinals win a game on September 6th. They win a game against Pittsburgh 16 to 4 to move one game over 500 in our one game out of the division. <laughs> yeah. They, they fall out after that, you know, that September catches up to them and they finish the season. Uh, they, they hit 10 games out before rallying a little bit to, to finish seven games out. But there is that, you know, we're, we're talking about how this is, um, you know, we're going and using 2011, 2007 is even a model of, Maybe, maybe there's still hope there. Well, I, I think a big difference with 2007, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I was mm-hmm. a little bit wrong in what I just said. 2007, I feel like there were some uh, several bad teams behind the Cardinals. Whereas now, even though we have moved ahead of the Pirates, we still need to leapfrog um, several teams. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm trying to, because obviously the Cubs won the division that year and who else was decent? I'm trying to remember. That was that the Brewers year? Uh, or was that the next year? That was the next year, I think, actually. Um, yeah, when the Brewers were um... Yeah, let's see if I can Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because obviously obviously Pittsburgh was bad. Um, because Pittsburgh is always bad. Um, let me I don't think they, Pittsburgh gets enough credit for how bad they are. <laughs> Uh, let's see that year. The final standings were, as I get an ad in the middle of it, uh, the Brewers were actually finished two games behind the Cubs. Cardinals finished seven. And then Houston was 12 out. Cincinnati was 13 out and Pittsburgh was 17 out. So, you know, there, that group of people, you know, at this point in time, I'm sure like one or two of them might've been ahead of the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're right. There was, there was not a lot, you know, totally different totally different situation with schedules and all that kind of stuff. So, but still, you know, we still, we still like to draw those kind of, you know, well, but it happened here or it almost (laughs) happened here. So, but you know, even then in 2007, they, they they didn't sell obviously. Right. I don't even remember what they did at the trade deadline. Probably nothing. Right. I, I don't remember either. Um, I don't even remember being that upset about 2007 because I still was happy about 2006. Right. 
and I, I say, I remember a little bit about this time in 2007, because that's when I started writing. Uh, I started the blog at the all-star break of, of 2007. And part of it was, and I remember, you know, Chris Carpenter was, you know, of course got hurt on opening day, but had mm-hmm. done some rehab was looking like he might come back. Um, and then about that time is when they found out he wasn't, uh, you wonder if, you know, if he had made a comeback, if it would have made a difference. Um, but instead they had Kip Wells and that didn't work well. Um, so, but I just don't remember them. I think they probably made some sort of minor deal here and there, but obviously they didn't do much. Um, they were, yeah, they were sitting in third at the trading deadline, six games out. So I doubt they did a whole lot, but, um, they definitely didn't sell off, which is what we, and that gets us back to where we were, right? This is what we want the Cardinals to do now. So they will be better in the future. But if they sell off, I mean, how much in jeopardy does that put some of the streaks that you're so happy about? Well, I, I think they still have a, a fighting chance to finish ahead of the pirates and mm-hmm. to also, obviously that would mean not finishing last. Right. I think the chance of them finishing above 500 would be almost nil. I mean, it's, it's very hard right now. I think you wrote about this today or yesterday about mm-hmm. they have to basically play at a 590 pace the rest of the way right. to finish with 82 wins. Um, and that may have been before, I assume that was before today's loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, fact, so, you, you know, there's going to be a loss in there too. So it's probably not too far no, off. But. Okay. So, um, even even with the team as it currently stands, finishing above 500 is is not looking good at all. Right. Um, it will certainly not look good when we can't throw uh, Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty out there anymore once we trade. And I, I know Jack Flaherty didn't have the best start today, but he still looked, you know, like a viable starter at least the um, since the last time we spoke. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because that you know that was a, uh, a a running kind of gag you and I were doing. Uh, do I like Jack Clarity this week? Um, so, yeah, I, I think all my attention would turn to that pirate streak, and I would be. Yeah. Um, and, and you know that's kind of one of the great things about baseball is uh, you can always find something to right. be interested in. Um, now, usually we haven't had to dig too deep to find that thing because it's it's just been about the standings and whether you know are the cardinals going to win the division are they going to slip into the playoffs in the wild card you know and that's enough to keep your attention um but but otherwise there's always something if you look hard enough whether it's something like the pirates whether it's you have a guy who's trying to i don't know hit 40 home runs something mm-hmm. right yeah i mean that was that was 98 and 99 right i mean the cardinals oh. weren't necessarily competitive or they were competitive but they weren't you know right in the thick of things and but you know mark mcguire was hitting balls out of the ballpark so that was we watched ball games i've said this before um and i'm not even really embarrassed to say this i think a lot of people felt this way 1998 is the only time i remember where i i i think i cared more about mcguire hitting a home run than i did the team winning the game mm-hmm. uh I, I mean that was definitely the first thing i you know because this was way before mlb tv um I didn't live in the area, so I wasn't watching a ton of games. That was definitely the thing I, I looked at when I would pull up the uh, like the running ticker if the game was going on online or the box score the next day. I would look to see McGuire hit a home run, and then like um, if he did and they lost, 
I would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember where I was for, you know, where I saw a lot of those home runs that year, but I couldn't tell you if they won the game or not. Um, yeah. That, that's, that is part of that. Um, it wasn't as important, which is, you know, one of the reasons Sammy Sosa got MVP because his, the Cubs actually went to the, the playoffs that year. So, um, yeah, there are there always are things, and there'll be things, right? I mean, if the Cardinals make these trades that we think they're going to make, and we'll talk a little bit more about them soon, but you know, there's most likely out of whatever how many deals they make, there's going to be two or three what new players that come up from other teams that are going to be on this roster, and you're going to want to see how they do. Um, you know, it may be that Mason Wynn gets a, a call up. That's going to mm-hmm. be a big thing to watch. Uh, you might see a Graceffo or McGreevy come up. And, and so there's that, you know, how do they react? Um, you know, there's going to be things to keep interest for the two months, even if we're not necessarily looking at the whole standings. We're just looking at the last two spots, maybe to make sure we're staying ahead of Pittsburgh. Right. Um, so the Cardinals make their first deal though, this week. Um, and the Genesis Cabrera situation, just a little bit odd, isn't it? I mean, I don't want to say odd. It's just maybe unique is the better word. Um, to have a guy that has been, obviously has had his problems. There's no, I'm not saying that he's like this, you know, bullpen <laughs> pillar or anything, but he's been a guy that you've had in like the seventh inning, even this year, right? He was still mm-hmm. a guy that, they relied heavily on for a while to have a guy like that, that you just cut in the middle of the season, pretty much out of nowhere. Uh, and the Cardinals were able to trade him, which surprised me, but it was still this idea of, you know, we'll get, we'd rather just get rid of you than to hold you around and try to make a decent trade. It makes me think, and I'm just speculating, that there mm. was some sort of other conflict on top of the not-so-great performance. Yeah. I don't know. I Look, I did not feel comfortable when Henesis Cabrera would take the mound in 2023, but he didn't feel necessarily unpitchable, quite like, mm-hmm. gosh, I can't believe I'm, I can't remember this guy's name. Who, who was the former relief pitcher who was on the Royals championship team who came over? And was just the closer. Uh, uh, man, oh now God. you've got me. Now oh we're all going to blank out. Oh my gosh. Um, this year. No, this no, year. no, 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 no. In um, Matheny. Uh, I, oh. Yeah. Now, anyway. This is, this is why I have trouble with Immaculate Grid. It's like all these players kind <laughs> of hit my head, and then all of a sudden, you know, those some point in time, it's like, oh yeah, that guy. And I don't remember. So I haven't started playing Immaculate Grid, but I I often look at people's results, and it's mm-hmm. funny because then once I see them, I will think of my own answers, and almost all of my answers are from are guys from like the '80s and early '90s from when <laughs> I collected baseball cards. Yeah. And, yeah. and played a lot of baseball video games when I really knew everybody. <laughs> um, I was I have problems with the grid when it's like. Like it's like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I'm like, okay, well, I remember those two teams playing in the early nineties in the playoffs. So if mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a player, is it because he played in that series or did he actually play for both teams? So that's, I get mixed up that way too. 
right. I, I changed the subject so I could uh, quickly look up who I was trying to think Good. of because I felt really silly. Um, uh, and I still can't. Uh, hold on. I'm on baseball reference. This is uh, everyone forgive me right now. But I uh, you, you know who I'm talking about. Hold on. I'm sure I do. But I it's not Greg. Greg Holland. Oh, yeah. 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 Greg, okay, Ho- yeah, Greg yeah, Holland yeah. was unpitchable. Right. Right. Um. I didn't quite feel that way with Genesis Cabrera, even though he, he was never a guy that you felt that <laughs> that he always had, he always gave you a little anxiety when he was on the mound. Um, you you knew after like the first batter how this thing was going to go, whether it was going to be really good or really not good. Yeah, and even when he had a um, a solid outing, uh, a lot of it. I shouldn't say a lot of it because I'm sure I'm just kind of like um, misremembering a little bit, but some of his success seemed chalked up to him being kind of almost effectively wild to, to use, to use that phrase. Yeah, there was some of that. I mean, and maybe not so effectively wild if you want to talk to Bryce Harper. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, uh, it was, it was different. So the Cardinals, it, and then I agree. I mean, you know, even Mo kind of kind of said, "Hey, look, Cabrera was pushing for bigger time, and we just didn't have, you know, didn't think he deserved it, so they let him go." But it, it still feels a little bit like not cardinally, right? I mean, it feels like, I mean, one, they don't like to get rid of resources if they don't have to, but two, it still feels like they, and maybe they did, and maybe they, you know, actively were looking around for a trade and they just couldn't find anything, um, and they thought maybe putting him on waivers might jumpstart something, which again, the Blue Jays make a deal for him today, but it still felt, you know, just kind of one out of the blue and two, just a little bit out of character for a front office, which has been out of character quite often this year. It's not been the best year for the front office boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's been the case pretty much since opening day. That is probably an understatement. Um, I will say, so the Cardinals, you know, the Blue Jays send over a 19-year-old catcher named Sammy Hernandez, who is going to go to the complex ball down in Florida. He's um, got a lot to it. I had a a guy from, uh, does a minor league podcast for the Blue Jays, uh, reach out to me and let me know that they liked him. Um, he's got a cannon for an arm, uh, needs some time to work on his bat, uh, defense first kind of guy right now, but you know, at some point in time, you know, might be able to move up the ladder. It's those lottery tickets that, you know, for every 99 that don't pan out, you get a Juan Yepes, right? I mean, this guy, the Cardinals don't need a catcher right now. They don't need a catcher in theory for the next four or five years, at least, um, depending on who that catcher is going to be. We'll, we'll see, but um, they have time to let this guy just kind of, you know, learn and grow and we'll see how it goes. But I think for the fact that, you know, if the blue chase had waited like three days, they probably could have gotten Cabrera for nothing. Um, this is a pretty good return for the Cardinals. I agree. Um, uh, but before I address that, I just want to circle back. Did, did you just say you hobnob with a guy who does a minor league podcast for the blue Jays? 
I, that's Hobnob is way overstating it. I this is my first interaction, but he's on the fans for sports network that we are on, okay, uh, in the Slack, and so he sent me a message today. Just said, hey, this is this is what this is like. This is oh, that's okay. That was nice. So I appreciated yeah. the reach out from, absolutely from Leo. So, um, and if you're interested in Blue Jays minor league podcast, let me know. I'll I'll get you a link to his show. Uh, just just drop it to me. But um, yeah, so yeah, I wouldn't say that. But you know, I I have I have connections. I know in I, these areas. So I, you never, I, you never I, I know you do. I'm more marveling. Uh, I'm not surprised uh, because there's a podcast for everything. Um, and I should have known that there was, of course, there's a minor league Blue Jays podcast guy out there. Um, probably more than one. Um, there's uh, a Canadian Kyle Reese running around. I assume um, they you know. keep their shirts on. Uh, it's <laughs> a little colder. They're a little more there. polite up there. I yeah. Think. yeah. Um, they're a little more reformed, I, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but OK, anyway, to go yeah, back no to uh, your, your comments, Sammy Hernandez, uh, yeah, I, I just assumed we were going to get nothing for Genesis mm-hmm. Cabrera at this point. So, sure, I, I, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about this guy. He's he's 19, so that's good. Uh, I think, if anything, I would chalk it up to – was there like a saying like, you know, it's like giving chicken soup to a dead guy? It certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> I, I That is – a saying I have never heard, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, and I wonder what that says, if it says anything about what the trade market is going to look like. Because again, Cabrera could have been a free agent in three or four days. I don't know how many more days, but the Blue Jays at least thought that there was enough interest in Cabrera mm-hmm. that they didn't want him to get to the, to the market that they wanted to, you know, jump the line and go ahead and, and get him now. I, I don't know if that means that, you know, guys with actual value, like Jordan Hicks have more value than we think, or if this is just kind of a weird situation or the blue Jays don't know what they're doing. One of the two. Ah, that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it, which I had not, yet done which is to say like you know i think some of the trepidation for the cardinals being sellers um at least for me is like okay do we have anything that's really that valuable that's going to make selling and the miserable process of selling worth it um but you you raise a good point if a guy like kenneth cabrera who uh you know let's be honest has ugly numbers no matter what type of numbers you're looking at can bring you some sort of value um, because there's that's still a talent there. That's still a guy that throws hard. That's still a guy who, who can look quite effective when he's on. Then maybe we're underestimating what someone like Jordan Hicks could, could bring back. Um, that's a very good point. One I hadn't thought of And, and I, I think Hicks is definitely a guy who is it's hard to imagine him on the team next, uh, next month. Right. Right. And, yeah. and, I, and I say, you know, good for him. Um, I I would love to see him go to a team that's that's contending, um, and and you know have have a playoff run, go to a team that can even help him more than perhaps the Cardinals have in in the last five or six seasons. Um, that's not to say the Cardinals haven't helped him. I'm just I would love to see mm-hmm. him, you know, to take an, take another step forward. So 
Yeah, that, that's a very interesting way of looking at it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, this is to, to continue with Jordan Hicks. I mean, the idea that, you know, when we when we were recording, what, in April, um, mm-hmm. we didn't expect him to be on the team in May because he was that <laughs> bad, right? I mean, there was, yeah. there was some idea of that, you know. For, and for him to have made the adjustment to become not only back to the good player he was, but really take that next step to get the strikeouts to to be a little bit more effective um, still has its glitches here and there, but for the most part, you know, be that kind of shutdown closer. Um, I, I got to think that there's, there's value there, um, you know, and hopefully the Cardinals are able to, to maximize it. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, what does that mean for, you know, the, the starting pitcher? What does it mean for Chris Stratton, who I think is another guy that we expect the Cardinals to move and, obviously is it going to bring back a huge return, but maybe he brings back more than we thought to, to continue to kind of continue on this though, on this run that the Cardinals are doing with this idea that, you know, we're talking about how they should be sellers and everything like that. Do you think it strengthens Mo's hand a little bit when he's negotiating with these guys and saying, well, we don't have to trade these guys. We're, you know, we're making this run, you know, if I don't get what I want, you know, we might just hold on and see what we can do. Do you think it strengthens his hand at all? Yes. And I think that's exactly how he should be playing it because even just like when Mo had, when Mo plenty of times has said, we will be buyers and then not a purchase is made. um, The same thing should apply when you're sellers, which is you don't sell for the sake of selling. You sell when you have the, the deal that you want, you actually want. So absolutely, um, especially if, and I, and I know we just talked about Jordan Hicks, um, perhaps, maybe perhaps underestimating the return that we get for someone like Jordan Hicks. Um, although I, I don't want to like overplay Sammy Hernandez, who I'd never heard of before three hours right, ago right. either, but you, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it still underscores the fact that I don't see the Cardinals in a, a spot like let's use the Yankees in um, 2016. To, they don't have a piece that's going to get them a prospect back like, you know, Gliber Torres or, or something like that. Right, right, um, right. Now, I, I, it, you never want to com- make too many comparisons like that because everything's different from year to year. The Cubs were loaded with guys with prospects like that. Um at the time they made that trade and the Cubs were, you know, they were, um, gosh, they were almost spoiled at that point. They could afford to make Mm -hmm. a trade like that. Right. Um, But my, my point is like, it's hard to imagine the Cardinals really trading for someone who right now is going to look like an impact piece. Uh, Now, now Torres was still a couple of seasons away, but he was, he was a very highly rated prospect at that time and, you know, had turned out to be, um, you know, not a superstar, but certainly a viable MLB player. Um, I, I don't know. And maybe I'm just not reading the market correctly. I don't know who the Cardinals could trade that would get him a return on a guy who immediately the fan base and say like, okay, right there. Boom. That's a guy that we're going to want to keep our eyes on. He's going to be, and on the you know on the roster next year but I, I could be wrong maybe maybe there is something like that and that doesn't mean not to be sellers that doesn't mean you, you shouldn't part with a guy like Flaherty or Montgomery who's going to be a free agent 
in a couple of months anyway, um, especially uh, a guy like Jordan Hicks, a relief pitcher anyway. Um, so that that's not to say don't sell. It's just I <laughs> do, do you envision the Cardinals selling and the fan base being almost uh, apocalyptic uh, with the return they get when it's not what they're hoping for? Oh, well, you know, if there's if they don't get what they're hoping for, then all bets are off and bring out the torches and pitchforks. But I don't yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's always the unreasonable fans that think that the Cardinals can turn toward Montgomery into like somebody's top prospect or something like that. But I think for the most part, you know, the the stuff that I see on Twitter or in the reading write-ups or anything like that doesn't seem like anybody's expecting this to be a huge, yeah, bringing in a really high quality. Now they bring in some, they may bring in quantity and they may bring in a number of guys that look like they can be a fourth starter or something. And, and they need those kind of guys, right? They're mm-hmm. going to need somebody to fill out this rotation next year. And they don't want to have to spend, you know, every single dime they have trying to do it in the free agency. So um, I do think that it's possible that if the Cardinals package some of these guys together, they could get, a pretty strong return. Um, I, I don't know how, if they want to do that, if they want to try to sell everybody off individually or, or what the case may be. And I don't know. I mean, assuming the Mets don't sell, which I don't know what the Mets will do. I don't know if the Mets know what the Mets are going to do. Assuming San Diego doesn't sell. Are the Cardinals the best, the team that has the best talent on the market? Um, I mean, assuming that, you know, take Shohei Otani out of the question because that, that skews everything. But if the Cardinals have the best talent, are they able to maybe get a little bit better return than we would normally think? That is another good point in question. Uh, I, I think the Cubs could be sleepers here, um, mm. especially if the Cardinals win the next two games of this series um, or even just split these next two games with the series. I, I think there's a chance that Marcus Stroman could be dangled. Sure, sure. Um, And the Cardinals don't quite have a have a piece like that because, shoot, I I should know this. What what is Strowman's current? What 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 is his current situation? Is is he in a walk year? He's got an option for next year, but I think it's a an option that he can exercise. So he's going to probably opt out. And so yeah, everybody's treating him as a okay as a as a new guy, as a guy that's going to be out there. So yeah, I I think there's been some talk about Stroman being on the market and you're right. If, if, if he does that, he's the, probably the best arm, but you know, the Cardinals have four or five pieces that are at least for the market upper level, right? Montgomery and Flaherty are good. Uh, you know, the, you know, Paul DeYoung has played himself into maybe being one of the better bats on the market. Uh, which is really hard and surprising to say, right? Um, mm-hmm. You've got Stratton, who's that, and Hicks, who can, you know, be top um, relievers out there. So they may not have the the zenith that a Strowman has, but, I, you know, the Cubs, I don't know what their other pieces are that they sell. And so, again, they may be able to, if Stroman goes early, which I don't know. You know, that's the that's the market, right? You know, do you sell early and try to get stuff, or do you hold out and see if somebody sets the market? Um, and I feel like the Cardinals have enough players that they're not going to wait t- 
to do all their moves on August 1st, like they sometimes do. Mm-hmm. But it also feels like they're not going to necessarily do a move. You know, they're not going to send Jordan Montgomery out, you know, Tuesday before the, and be the first person out the gate. Well, speaking of Hennessy's Cabrera, since we were talking about him earlier, just so long as they don't trade with the Rays, I'm happy. <laughs> I, I I think that's interesting. Although, have you did you see those stats that I did not realize? But the Cardinals, since was it May May fifteenth, maybe have a better record than the Rays do. Oh, I tweeted something about this yesterday. Um, did did someone else? Um, because I, I tweet- yeah. I t- I, I, Something today. I I tweeted last night. And maybe that's what I I have no idea how. I'm reading my tweet right now. I have no idea how, but since May 3rd, the Cardinals have a better record than the Rays. Um, Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's maybe what I saw originally. But I did see somebody else put one out because it was like the Rays are 30 and 31 in their last, you know, 61 games. And the Cardinals are, I don't remember, three or four games over 500 in that span. So. Yeah, it, it, it's wild, um, but yeah. th- that could be a team, the Rays, who's trying to fortify their roster to, um, you know, you know, because one, they're in a very tough division, um, and they're going right. to have to fight and claw to win that. But also, the the Orioles just leapfrog them um, uh, to take first. Which, gosh, when I, what, what was the Rays' record? Um, you, you know, you, you probably remember 1984. I don't quite remember it, but I remember it being talked about in the years that followed when the, what the Tigers were like 35 and five. Yeah. To start off the yeah. season. You know, yeah. the Rays didn't have that, but they had a kind of a silly looking record. That was, that was I mean, the 13 and 0 to start, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's right. That's right. And then they had a, a record. I want to say that was something like 27 and I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it, it was, they had, it they had a record that was approaching that ballpark where it was just like, geez, that just does not look like a base, a record you see in baseball. Right, right. Let me see if I if my computer will load it up. I was going to see what their record was on April 30th. Um, but it doesn't want to do that. So it just wants to spin. So never mind. Um, if it ever comes up, I'll let you know. But yeah, it's uh, it, that is interesting. I mean, I was doing, you know, I put out the, the trade deadline contest that we've got, uh, you know, to see if anybody gets traded and where they go and kind of looking at what those teams are. Yeah. They were 23 and six at the end of, uh, at the end of April, which was uh, pretty good, but actually the, the Orioles were 19 and nine at that point. So okay. uh, an indication that that division was going to be, be really tough. So, um, but you look at, yeah, the, the Razor team that they Cardinals can trade with the Yankees. The, I mean, anybody in the East AL East, probably, you got the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could be interested in some of the pieces the Cardinals have. For sure. No, no, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to it or not. Uh, you know, it's so much better when you feel like your team is a buyer, um, <laughs> especially, you know, last year where around this time, you know, it seemed like there was a chance we could have Juan right. Soto on the team. Right. And, you know, that was exciting. Um, so nothing that happens this year is going to approach that. But it will be fun just because it'll be such a such a change of pace. Yeah. And and there'll be more activity. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we have not seen much of out of the Cardinals is when they are buyers, they might 
get one or two pieces very late, you know, the half luster type things or something of that nature and be a little bit underwhelming. But at least now it feels like the Cardinals are going to be active at the deadline. Even if it's on the other end of things, it at least gives us something to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And what we were just talking about reminded me of one of the things I really dislike about Twitter, the website, which Mm -hmm. is that I can post something. I can look at the standings after the Cardinals win last night. And then I'm just looking at the standings across the board and I see, oh gosh, the Rays are now only 20 games above 500. And then my mind starts working. And so I start messing around on baseball reference. And then I see, oh gosh, since May 3rd, the Cardinals have a better record than the Rays. So many people are on Twitter. So many people do similar things that we do. Hence the fact that there's a Blue Jays minor league podcaster out there. Exactly. Um, Exactly. That there's probably 10 other tweets very similar to mine. It sounds like there was at least one. And so I'm always worried when I post something like that. And then I, and then like, I, I find out like a very similar tweet happened like two minutes earlier. And I'm like, I hope people don't think I'm like plagiarizing. <laughs> you, know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's just, yeah. it's this site where a lot of you're following a lot of people who are following similar people who are all thinking about the same things. And so often you see just a barrage of very similar tweets. And sometimes you'll think like, did that person just like tweet something that he just read? Or like, no, it's like, we're all just thinking a lot of the very same things. And so we all just happen to tweet a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, and things get to a head about the same time, like you said, you know, when you start talking about, you know, oh, how bad the pitching staff is or something like that, you know, maybe after a blown save and, and everybody's thinking about that. So they start digging up stats of how bad they've been since, you know, July 1st or something of that nature. So you're right. You're, there is a, an ability to see some of the same stuff here and there. Um, and even whether, sometimes I think it is stolen, but very rarely. I think most of the time, like you said, it's just people like us, the stream of consciousness, hey, this is out there, and not necessarily wanting anybody to draw any major conclusions from it, even though then they pretty much do. It just Uh, always makes me paranoid anytime I'm tweeting about something that I know is not just like, I have to be the only person in the world thinking about this right now, you know, or something like then I feel, I feel like, all right, this is fine. But whenever like we're all watching the same thing or reacting to the same thing, I'll like hit send and be like, no, there's nothing original about that at all. <laughs> well, that really usually sums up my writing, but, um, <laughs> but if, if you're listening and you see something from Alex, it did not steal it from anybody. Okay, <laughs> no, all his. I did feel good about that Cardinals raise tweet, though. I was, I was yeah, proud of that. Yeah, I, you should be. Well, I don't know. Proud's the right word. I was more just like, holy crap! Like, I don't know how this is possible. Um, because you know, I, I I'm sure Rays fans know how it's possible because they've been watching mm-hmm. their team play 500 ball over the past 60 games and probably been complaining about it. But for people like us who aren't watching the Rays every day and just know the Rays have been in first place all season, that stuff can kind of like sneak up on you and surprise you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't necessarily, when I look at the standings, I typically look at the central and that's really about it. I don't really pay much, especially this year when there's not any person per reason to necessarily look at the other divisions because uh, they're not going to have to tell you anybody. 
Um, I, I have been following who's going to be worse between the Royals and A's. That's a fair one. I was watching that a little bit earlier, especially when the A's looked like they might actually challenge the, the Mets record. Mm-hmm. But And when they started winning a few games, I lost interest. Um, so if they want to start losing again, I'm sure that's... Which, you know, I don't know how... If they've got pieces to sell at the trade deadline, but... Um, you know, maybe they, maybe that will happen. But uh, I, I honestly expect probably expect the Royals to, to do that, right? I mean, if you were going to guess, and I see right now Royals twenty. Well, that was that's before today twenty eight and seventy for the Royals twenty seven seventy two for the uh, for the A's. Uh, I mean, I'm just kind of assuming the uh, the Royals wind up the worst team overall. I I think they will. Um, you, you know, you, you take out two thousand. 14 and 2015 and they are neck and neck with the pirates if not ahead of the pirates for the worst team in baseball since division realignment in 94 well you probably don't even have to take those seasons out right because those were the years pittsburgh was good so yeah but still winning a pennant and a world series really trumps anything pittsburgh has come close to i mean pittsburgh hasn't even won a playoff series Unless we count that one game against the Reds where they made Cueto drop the ball. Yeah. But they did win 97 games one year. That That is true. So that that is true. Now, since that was post 99, I must believe the Cardinals won something like a hundred games. They won a hundred games that year. Yeah. Yeah. Because they would have been better than the Pirates. Right. The Pirates were third uh, because the Cubs won 98. No, you have that backwards. The the Pirates won 98, Mm -hmm. Cubs won 97. Oh, okay. I always remember the Cubs were third because okay. the the Cubs played at PNC in that uh, playoff game, uh, in that one game playoff, and, and won. So, yes, unfortunately, uh, stupid Pirates. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so we've talked a lot around the, the the deadline. We've talked a lot about a lot of things, which is what happens when you get the the two old guys together. We just ramble around whatever rabbit holes we can find. But are there players? Are there any players that have been discussed uh, in, in general circles that you don't think will get traded? Hmm. Tough to say because I they no one has been brought up unless you want to be crazy and think they're going to trade Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arnott, right, right, which right, I, right, I don't. Right. I, we're talking about no. realistic trade right. people. Right. Yeah, um, not really, because none of the people who have been brought up, I would. I don't think anyone would deem untouchable by any stretch. <laughs> um, uh, I, Dane Perry wrote an interesting piece today yeah. on his uh, birdie work. Uh, I almost said blog. What do you call that? It's a Substack. I Substack, think it's yes, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's very good, by the way. People should it subscribe is. if they haven't. But talking about Paul DeYoung and how, um, you, you know, look, I, I don't think he's arguing that you absolutely 100% cannot trade Paul DeYoung. But more saying, like, look, this is a guy who we all know is a, a plus fielder. And his bat, whatever, you know, kind of tinkering he did with the offseason, has also been productive, at least from the shortstop position. Um certainly above average. Uh, and so that's not always the easiest thing to find in MLB, which is a, a shortstop who, who hits above average at the position is also a very good fielder. Um, 
usually you're pretty satisfied with one or the other, uh, especially if it's the glove. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think I would be a little bit shocked if they traded Paul DeYoung, partly for that, but also because I don't know who's in the market for a player like Paul DeYoung, a guy who um, just seemed lost at the play less than a year ago. Mm. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about him to the Dodgers, I've heard in the past, mm. but you know that's not necessarily like informed speculation, just somebody that seems to fit maybe what they need. Um, I, I Dane's argument, and I have heard that a little bit other places, and I've seen that, and it, it does make sense. I agree. If they, the way Paul DeYoung has gone this year, if they have him next year, that's not the worst thing in the world. I do think that if you still have Paul DeYoung, Nolan Gorman, Tommy Edmond, Brendan Donovan, and it looks like Mason Wynn's ready, you know, as, as Dane pointed out, you can trade in spring training, but those those deals don't make it, don't happen that often. Right. So I feel like somebody out of that mix um, probably should go with this deadline. Um, but, you know, it's not the worst problem in the world to have. Although, you know, I feel like that's one of the things they need to do with this deadline, right? Is to streamline this roster a little bit mm-hmm. and get rid of some of these redundancies, get rid of some of these 18 different players that can do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but whether they will or not, especially with, you know, Edmund still hasn't come off the injured list yet. You know, what does that do for his market? I don't think they want to trade Donovan. I don't think they will trade Donovan, but if they want, if they were going to at least look at his market, you know, does the fact that he's having some, you know, can't throw, does that impact it much? Or does the fact that he's under control for like four more years, people say we'll deal with it. I don't know. Um, but it, it still feels like, you know, Paul DeYoung's the easiest person to move if you're trying to clear up a little bit of that logjam. Yeah, that's a good point. And gosh, I tell you what, Paul DeYoung, for whatever reason, would be a guy like, let's say he's traded to the Dodgers and they won the World Series. Mm-hmm. I would feel so happy for Paul DeYoung. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if it's because he's been on, he's been with the Cardinals now for a long time and on, you know, good teams. But also teams that have been like, you know, some frustrating teams. We've seen him struggle. We've seen him have, you know, start off really strong and then have seasons where it looked like he might not be in the league in a couple of years. Um, That's a guy who if he was on the field when the team won a World Series, I would I would just be elated for him. Yeah, I mean, you're right. A guy that's come up to the organization and has been the brunt of so much and and. I'm not going to say that we haven't criticized him quite a bit too, or thought that he shouldn't be on the team at times. It was a little bit, I mean, this off season seemed like a good time to, to let him go. And obviously mm-hmm. he did the work this, this off season changed his stuff up and has been productive. I wouldn't say he's been like the Paul DeYoung that I think we think about when he came up, but he's definitely been an asset to the team. Um, so yeah. And, and to, to, kind of be that whipping boy for a bit and you know a lot of people down on him so you know to be able to be that comeback story and get a chance at a ring that yeah i think that that's a, a great thing uh for him if that if it happens that way um i do i do wonder i do wonder if there's going to be a player that you know mo of course mo says they're not giving away players that was before he DFA'd 
Genesis Cabrera, which was basically like giving him away. But um, I wonder if there's going to be a player that Mo wants to trade, but just can't get the return that he doesn't that he thinks he should. And he winds up holding on to him. I don't know who that would be. I don't know that might be of boy. I, I'd hate to think it might be a Montgomery because they may decide if they can't get you know x return that they'll you know keep him for two more months try to maybe work on extension and have the qualifying offer as a backup um i i expect that montgomery would bring back enough that they would be able to move him but you wonder if that's a player that we're all expecting to be gone and that might actually still be around in august mm-hmm. no i i think certainly especially if we know how much ticket sales means to this organization Mm -hmm. and I could see them also if they don't have the offer that they want for a player like Jordan Montgomery, just kind of thinking like, Hey, in spite of us being sellers and in spite of us clearly not going to playoffs this season, we still need to have a reason for fans to go to the ballpark in September, Um, which is we still need to have, worthwhile pitchers taking them out every every once in a while and so <laughs> even in his walk year having jordan montgomery uh, on the team in august and september is not necessarily the worst thing in the world for an organization no. like the cardinals no to make this trade deadline successful for the cardinals what do you think they have to bring back oh, is it I mean, for me, I think it would be they have to bring back at least a controllable pitcher that's ready for the major leagues, I think. Either a guy from AAA that they could just go ahead and bring up or a guy that's got a couple of years in the majors um, to be that three or four starter next year, um, probably a four, and Mm -hmm. give them something. Because, you know, right now, the way that Steven Matz is pitching, it feels like they'll probably could put him back in the rotation. We'll see if that is a good idea or not. And you've got Mike Liss. If you bring in a guy like, I don't know. I don't know who it would be. I mean, Logan Gilbert's name gets tossed around and I don't know if that's a reasonable thing, but you know, somebody like that, then you go out in the off season, you get maybe a Blake Snell. And even if you have a Libertor as your fifth starter, that rotation feels better than what the Cardinals went into it with this year. Right. So that's what I'm thinking they have to get. I mean, the more, the better. And the more of these arms that they've got, even if they put them at triple a and have the depth. Great. But I think they've got to come up with something like that to have a really successful trade deadline. I would almost take it a step further and say, um, in light of Mo, uh, I don't want to call it a Mia culpa, but basically saying like, we are changing our philosophy on the type of pitchers that we are looking at in terms of we want more pitchers who are going to miss bats and not necessarily pitch to contact guys. Um, obviously, that's not his exact quote, but he said something to that effect, right? Right. Um, right. I think a successful trade deadline has a return that shows that vision. Mm-hmm. That Whether it's a guy who's ready to start next season or whether it's a guy who looks like what the end of next season and then we'll be ready by 2025. I don't know, but, but a guy who's like, Oh yeah, th- th- this is a guy who has a lot of swing and miss stuff. Um, and so at, at least 
you we can kind of feel like they have uh and, and i don't want to pretend like they don't have a plan like you know they obviously know more than i do and they always will know more than i do but i i don't know to, to feel like they have more of this modernized strategy that we've been harping on for the last few years really and especially now comes ahead with the you know the ban on the the shift and and things of that nature um how much more important it is to have guys who are going to be uh, missing bats. So, right. yeah, I, I think it's really important to kind of show that l l like very similar to when, um, you know, going back, going almost full circle when uh, mm -hmm. Jockety left, uh, yeah. the vision was, was laid out there and, and they, and they implemented it, which is that they were going to rebuild the farm system. Um, Mo has said what their vision is, or at least what some of their, I don't know, visions, right? Word, but what, what they're looking for, what their goals might be. And now they need to implement that. Yeah, I, now, I agree with that. I don't know who that, I don't know who that pitcher, I, I, if you ask me to name a name, I, I'm going to have a little bit harder time yeah. coming up with that just because, I mean, that's such a broad thing, Sure, but that's yeah. what I think a, a successful deadline looks like. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I would like, I would hope that any pitcher they bring back, whether it's starter or reliever, whether it's a guy ready for the majors or a guy at Double AA, A, Triple A, has that kind of swing and miss that has you know a K per nine of you know nine ten something like that. You know, uh, in that range, trying to to really jumpstart that change in vision because we know that. We've seen this with Jeff Albert, and I feel like, personally, I feel like Dusty Blake is doing is doing on the pitching side what Jeff Albert tried to do on the hitting side, which was revamp the organization, get them more modernized and stuff like that. But we know that that takes a while to filter all the way through the system, right? So yeah. if you can get an influx of those kind of pitchers, then you can start hopefully developing more as they come up and eventually that's what your, what your minor league team looks like. Um, and which means that's what your major league teams looks like. Um, but that's, I think that's, I, see, I would think that that takes longer on the pitching side than it does on hitting side. Um, I don't you, I, I mean, maybe it's not, but it feels like it would take, more years to turn around that that kind of pitching, especially going from pitch to contact to strike out stuff than it did whatever they did on the hitting side. Yeah. Um, I, I would also say it's not necessarily something where it has to be an either or, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a whole revamp. Like, like certainly I, I Marcus Stroman is a solid example, even though, he hasn't looked good against the Cardinals his last couple starts, but that's obviously a guy who is known more as a pitch of contact versus swing and miss. Um, he's still a very good pitcher. Um, so it doesn't mean you avoid guys like that. It doesn't mean you can't have guys like that in the rotation. It just means that, look, you can't have five pitch to contact guys, especially five pitch to contact guys who are basically average. All right. Um, and that might be underselling a, a few of them. And, you know, certainly Flaherty, I, I don't think would be necessarily classified as a pitch of contact guy, as a guy who strikes out like, you know, north of 20% of batters or whatever he's at right now. Um, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, before we wrap it up, though, this week also brought the news that Adam Wainwright had taken a couple of quarter zone shots. Feels good, according to Adam Wainwright, which is not necessarily a reliable narrator. Um, but has thrown a bullpen. It's going to throw some live batting practice. Could be back pitching in the majors by the end of this week. And honestly, the Cardinals have their, I think their last series with the Cub in Bush stadium this weekend, you know, coming up. If Adam Wainwright's not pitching in that series, I would be stunned uh, because I think the Cardinals would, if at all possible, would like to see him, you know, he'd probably like him to go against the Cubs one more time. Yeah. Is it possible for um, him to go against the Cubs, but not have to pitch to Ian Happ? I mean, uh, you could always throw four, um, or maybe drop a drop a curveball on the toe. You know, I don't want to say you're throwing at batters, but you know, if you drop a curveball on somebody's toe, then that's it's possible. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. No, I I would love to see that. I look, no one wants to see Adam Wainwright go out like he's been pitching, which has been really hard to watch, mm-hmm. R- really uh, almost uncomfortable, like. Like you're watching like one of your kids like uh, in a play and like screwing up their line, you know, <laughs> you know, like a, you know, like freezing up or something like that. Yep. That's that's how I feel when he's not when he's pitching really bad. I I, I almost I want to look away. It's not a it's not a good feeling. Um, I don't know if there's another pitcher. Uh, certainly not a pitcher the Cardinals have now if they've really had ever in my lifetime, but I would have felt that way. I think just because I, I like Adam Wainwright so much and I want him to, uh, you know, succeed is not the right word. His whole career he's been succeeding, but I'd like to see him go out on a, on a, if not a high note, certainly a good note and not a terrible note, which is what he's been on. So uh, yeah, that would be great. And I, I agree with what you said. I, I think you said it in your post too that like look Adam Wainwright is always going to be a positive guy. Um, that's one right. of the great things about him. Uh, but that's why you can't believe him when he says like, "Hey, I feel great," or "Hey, I noticed what I was doing wrong last year and I fixed it." And wait until you see what I have in store for you this year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. um, and I'm not criticizing him. I think that's actually a very uh, noble and important attribute to have as a professional athlete to always like believe in yourself like that. Uh, but like you said, um, as uh, people like us, you just don't want to, you don't want to be taking his word for it. You want to see for yourself. Yeah. Uh, Wainwright's always, at least publicly going to be looking at the, the, the bright side of life, if it will. Um, and anything that seems very optimistic and yeah i've got it figured out and all that stuff but you know and hopefully like i said hopefully you're right that hopefully he does hopefully he can get those at least those two wins that we're talking we've been talking about all year for for getting him to 200 um and you know hey i mean if if adam wainwright can pitch like a number three or four starter the rest of the way that you know that should help at least alleviate the loss of the Flaherty and the Montgomery, at least somewhat. Um, and yeah. it gives people a chance, reason to go out to the ballpark, which is not always a bad thing either. Um, so, Well, I, I'll also say, look, if Steven Matz in 2023 can get, can get to one win, then Adam Wainwright can certainly get to <laughs> 200 uh, for a career. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, uh, that you know, if you can 
they've broken that seal. So surely, surely that he can do that as well. Did you watch um, the game last night? The, I the game they did won? not. No, okay. No. Uh, you know, Matt's is always kind of his body language on the mound is always pretty demonstrative and mm-hmm. um, not always in a good way. Uh, but when he was coming off the mound in the fifth inning, he looked kind of like amped up, um, like kind of, it's hard to describe, but in a way that made me feel good for him. Uh, yeah. You know, he finally had was able to walk off the mound after five innings and, um, you know, look, I know we don't care about pitching wins anymore and myself included. I don't really care about pitching wins, um, especially when it comes for one season. Uh, Adam Wainwright getting 200 wins is a bit of a different story, but you know, but I, I felt good for him because it, 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 there seemed to be like a sense of relief in his sort of, I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is to describe what he looked like walking off the mound, but it, it was nice to see. Yeah. We have seen him be better coming out of the bullpen and now what I think two starts he's made since then how comfortable are you right now with the idea that he may be in the rotation the rest of this year but definitely next year um I don't love it I mean this year I I I can't really pretend to care too much I (laughs) I, I don't love the idea of him being in the rotation next year. Uh, now, he has a couple months to make me change my mind on that. But I, I feel like we've seen enough that, look, as fans of this team, we want this team playing with the big boys at all time. We want them to be a serious team. We don't want uh teardowns we don't want rebuilds we don't want like 75 win seasons we want them to be good every year uh and it's hard to reconcile that with uh having a pitcher who has been as bad as Matt's was at the beginning of the season um in terms of like trotting him out there every five days unless you know unless you you're really strong one through three or one through four or something like that hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But I also think if he can show that he can be even somewhat effective, you know, he's going to have that spot. And that's just one less spot to have to try to fill this offseason. And, you know, if he can be a, if he can pitch like this, he's a serviceable five starter. And yeah. that's, yeah, oh, absolutely. That's all you can really ask out of Stephen Maps, I think. There's something about, there's something that just makes me happy. Anytime I see a pitcher who's been struggling or a pitcher who just is for the most of his career been average, have a really good outing uh, on a big stage. Um, now last night was not a big stage, but what I'm thinking of is someone like Jeff Weaver in game five in 2006 against the Tigers. Right. Uh, that was, is one of my favorite memories as a Cardinals fan. And that's a guy who was what on the team for two months, three months. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, and during that season, you know, before the playoffs, he was not good. If I recall, he, he was not yeah. having a good time during the regular season with the Cardinals. And not to much, see, no. yeah, and to see him, uh, what did he go eight innings? He, seven? I think so. Um, I think so. I'd have to check. Let me, but yeah, I, I almost it, get, I almost get like chills even thinking about thinking about it, like remembering him walking off the mound 
kind of like yelling into his glove, stuff like that. Uh, that's one of my favorite things in baseball. So um, even like a little silly, forgettable moment like last night with Steven Matz, um, that's enough to get me excited and feel happy for him. And so, yeah, if he can keep pitching like that, um, absolutely is he a serviceable five starter. Yeah. This starter. Uh, Weaver went eight innings, gave up one run, struck out nine. Yeah. That struck out so, nine. Yeah. 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 Um, which is pretty remarkable. Um, it just don't make Dave Duncan reclamation projects like they used to. No, they don't. <laughs> anyway, um, Alan and I will be back next week this time, probably on Friday morning. Do you think between now and then the Cardinals will have made a move? That's the 28th, morning of the 28th. Do you think they'll have made one of their, like a trade off the 25 man or 26 man roster by that point? I don't know. I, I think it's going to depend on what happens like with the rest of the market by midtime, uh, like yeah. m- midweek. Uh, I really don't know. I, I mean, Mo, uh, this front office has never been very easy to predict, um, whether it's like the Jason Hayward trade or, or whatever, um, or, or, you know, throwing your new catcher who you just signed to five years under the bus uh, within four weeks, <laughs> you know, that, like they're, they're, said, always, not a good year. Not a good they're year always full of surprises. So I really don't know. I, I, yeah, I think that, I mean, it's, it's just a guess at completely because that's all we can do. Um, my feeling though is I would bet by this time next week or by the time we record next week, that Stratton has been moved. I feel like that's like the first domino to go because there's, you know, the, the, the market's not going to be huge for him mm-hmm. um, unless he goes with, like he came over from the Cardinals with somebody else, unless he's part of a package. If he's by himself though, I think they probably like, that's one that they just, they clear out. And then, you know, maybe their heavy trading is, is that next weekend, but that's, that's my prediction right now. We'll see how bad it is. I'm writing it down. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm probably going to just completely forget about it and not talk about it next week, uh, unless unless it happens, and then I'll I'll remember. So that is that's the way of things. So, um, Alex, it's been fun. Um, it's uh, an interesting time of year for us Cardinal fans, and something that we don't have to deal with. And I'm glad you were able to come on and break it down with me. Yeah, I, as always, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy we didn't have to talk about Ron Culpa. I wasn't quite ready. Um, but yes. yeah, yeah that, that's, uh, you know, not not something we really, I mean, everybody knows how we're going to feel about that. I think it's probably <laughs> safe just to say, just, just leave that one alone. I'm a, uh, I, I'm a proponent of robot umps when i need to be and right now i'm a <laughs> proponent of robot ums well, it's fair i do i think that i'm not huge on robot ums because i am not i'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not either i'm not either yeah and i'm not i've not been huge on instant replay i'm really not huge on instant and I, if people you've heard if you've listened to the show and alex probably you've heard me tell it it's a lot too you know if you have to use instant replay to see if a glove got somebody's shoelace and they offer the base for a fraction of a 
Second, that I don't think like that's what instant replay should be used for. I think instant replay should be used for Don Dinkinger and uh, Jim Joyce and those. You know, fairly if you can see it from the dugout and you don't have to get a review, then that's the kind of thing instant replay's for. Um, but I'm also more forgiving of the human element of some things. Now that being said, I in fact this evening I was watching the the Memphis game against Charlotte and um and I've watched a couple of games of the minor leagues and the the review system that they have on balls and strikes that seems to work fairly well, right? You get a you get a challenge or something and they review it and if it's good, you know, whatever the computer says and they switch it, you know, but it's not necessarily calling the whole game and you can't necessarily challenge every pitch. Um, I feel like that's the kind of thing that, you know, today, um, you know, Burleson challenges that first pitch or maybe the second pitch, depending on, and maybe the game's completely different. So that, I don't feel like that's robot ums. Maybe it is, maybe that's what people are considering it, but I feel like that still leaves the human element in there while, maybe not deciding a game that way. Yeah, I, I think a good uh, comparison would be uh, I'm, I watch a decent amount of tennis, and tennis has been doing this for years. They have umpires, but they also have the Hawkeye system, which is when a player challenges a call, within seconds, everyone looks up at the screen, and you see a computer image of the point that just happened, and they show you whether or not the ball was in or out, and it all lasts uh, 15 seconds. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's that's the kind of thing because we've seen right instant replay. One, it doesn't always get things right. Two, it takes a lot longer than fifteen seconds to get it, you know, reviewed. It seems like. Um, so I, I again, my my fix for instant replay is if do not let the do not let the umpire don't let the coaches do not let the managers consult. If they, you know, they have to like throw the flag right there, you know, from, from naked eye. And if it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And then they move on. And I think that they had that option. Well, either they would go through their challenges earlier and then we wouldn't have to worry about it or they'd hold, be a little bit more cautious about, you know, things and, and the game would move on. So that, that's just, that's just my thinking on that. But um, again, I'm, I'm a very traditionalist person. I think the only thing I'll say, and I, I know you're, trying to end this show <laughs> uh, you, you couldn't tell it by the way i'm going at it but that's um, fine. uh I, I i more or less agree with you the only thing i would say is that every once in a while in defense of instant replays every once in a while mm-hmm. i'm watching a game and there's a call that's so bad um that gets overturned and i just think gosh before instant replay that would have been safe or or that yeah. whatever that ball would have been yeah you, you know what i mean um yeah. And so, because there will be another Dankinger moment in a game like that, in a World Series, where you really want to make sure you have that that call right. Yeah. Um, not just for the fans' sake, but gosh, for someone like Don Dankinger's sake, um, who, you sure. know, rest, rest in peace, by the way. Um, right. Uh, you know, I'm. he seemed to be not only a good sport, but had a good perspective on it, but I'm still sure that wasn't something he wanted to live with, um, you know, but being the first paragraph on his wikipedia page uh or whatever has wikipedia page replaced obituary for like when you talk about someone's like uh it'll be in his first couple of sentences um i don't think so because it's the first time i've heard that 
Wikipedia um, page. But again, <laughs> okay. I'm a very old fashioned person. Well, in the, in the end, I think I get I get that what you're saying. I think it probably it's fair to say that. But it's also your Wikipedia page comes out like is now, right? I mean, you know, well, not for us because we don't have one. But you know, it's it's like it could be the first paragraph of your Wikipedia page like today instead of being the first one of your obituary, which is like the summation of your entire life. So maybe that's why, but it's probably just the fact that it will eventually, because nobody reads obituaries. I do. Oh, I do. I, yeah, yeah, but we're I, old, and, you know, we're starting to make sure we're not there. So. And maybe we should be. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all, right. uh, all right. Yeah, there's really no coming back from that. So, um <laughs> Alan, I'll be with you next week. The, the plan is also to hopefully do a uh, little short um, shows in the coming weeks, uh, the, the coming 10 days or so, if there is a trade made by the Cardinals, hopefully we can put out some sort of show that night uh, to just talk, just, just focus just on that trade. Hopefully 20, 30 minutes with me and a couple of others, uh, whoever can hop on that evening. So, Hopefully we'll have some extra shows for you in in the week or 10 days. But until next time with Alan, I'm Daniel. That's Alex. Good night.